0: So this is the last in our current series on the Minor Prophets. We've looked at six of them, and then next year we're going to look at the other six. God spoke through the prophets, and he continues to do so today. And there's one key message that we take away from all of the prophets, and it has to do with what really concerns God. Uh, God is concerned with justice and mercy, and we see that time and again in the prophets. Uh, The nation of Israel was split into two kingdoms and Micah had a message for both kingdoms, the Northern and the Southern. And like uh, most of the other prophets, Micah accused God's people of injustice and oppression. The leaders had become wealthy through greed and deceit and theft. They were listening to false prophets who were basically just telling them whatever they wanted to hear. And the poor had been deprived of their land and their rights. It really was a very unjust society. God's people were supposed to be different from the surrounding nations, but they were just as bad. And so God would allow his people to be taken into exile. And Micah warned of this impending calamity. And of course, eventually the Assyrians invaded the northern kingdom. They were taken into exile And the Babylonians defeated the southern kingdom and they also were taken into exile. God had had enough of their falsehood and their insincere worship. They were just going through the motions with their sacrifices and their burnt offerings, their festivals and all that religious stuff. But none of it was bringing them any closer to God. Despite all that uh, religious activity Nobody seemed to care about the things that God cares about. A couple of weeks ago, we saw that true worship is about glorifying God, encountering God and being changed by that encounter. That simply wasn't happening. And so we come to Micah's famous question, what does the Lord require of you? And the answer reveals how the nation would have been if they were truly worshipping God. Verse 8 says, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. God is supremely concerned with justice and mercy. If we love God, if we worship God, we ought to care about the same things that God cares about. And what we see in the Old Testament and in the New is not only does God care about the poor the broken-hearted, the destitute, the downtrodden, but God identifies with them in a very literal way. God's identification with the poor, and when I use the word poor, I use it as an umbrella term that covers anybody who is suffering in some way. God's identification with the poor is far more integral to the gospel than many Christians realise. In fact, we can go as far as to say If we don't have a relationship with the poor, we don't have a relationship with God. God literally identifies himself with the poor. The Old Testament in Proverbs 14, 31, whoever oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker, but whoever is kind to the needy honors God. Proverbs 19, verse 17, whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord. This is God saying the way that you show your love for me is through your love and concern for the poor. In the other cultures of the ancient world, all of the other cultures, uh, their gods, their false gods align themselves with the rich and the powerful. The God of the Bible aligns himself with the lowest of the low. And if we see that in the Old Testament, we see it even more. In the new, in our gospel to reading today, Jesus is talking about those who would enter God's kingdom. And he said, This is what the king will say to them For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was in prison. And you came to visit me and the righteous will say, when did we do these things for you? And the king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Have you ever shown generosity or hospitality to someone who was perhaps worse off than you are? Have you ever cared for a sick person? Have you ever visited someone in prison? or written to someone in prison. If you did those things because you love Jesus, you literally, you literally did them for Jesus. People often ask the question, why would God create a world in which there is so much pain and suffering? And the very least, the very least that we can say to that is that God is not immune from suffering. God understands our suffering because he's experienced it. Jesus was poor. He was born not in a palace, but a stable. His parents were poor. When Jesus was dedicated at the temple, his parents offered uh, two pigeons. So that was their their offering, their sacrifice. Uh, That is the offering that only the poorest of the poor would make. Do you remember when Jesus used a coin, a denarius? to make a point about paying taxes to Caesar. Denarius was only uh, a few dollars in today's money, but Jesus didn't even have that. He had to borrow it. He had to borrow that coin in order to make his point. Jesus was poor. He was practically homeless. He once said, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Jesus was homeless. He knew hunger and thirst. He went 40 days without food in the wilderness, at the end of which Luke tells us he was hungry. One of the massive understatements of the Bible. Uh, For us, hunger is missing a meal or perhaps fasting for 24 hours or maybe 48 hours. Jesus went 40 days without any food. He must have been very close to starvation, close to death. And of course, Jesus was oppressed. He was arrested unjustly by a baying mob with swords and clubs. He was held captive. He was tried illegally. It was illegal under Jewish law to try someone at night, but the religious authorities went ahead with it because they wanted to bring him down. He was whipped, beaten, mocked, spat at, and in the end, tortured to death on a cross. We worship a God who literally identifies with the poor and the broken and the oppressed. Justice and mercy are supremely important to God. That is why God became poor and suffered for our sakes. And of course, justice and mercy meet in the most profound way at the cross of Jesus Christ. So we see God's identification with the poor very clearly in the Old Testament, but we see it even more clearly in the New Testament in the person of Jesus Christ and all of the prophets including Micah they pointed forward to a future messianic king they pointed forward to Jesus and what is the main role what is the main job of a king is it not to rule justly to rule justly Jesus' rule is 100% just righteous and benevolent and he calls us he calls each one of us to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with our God. And Jesus gives us a perfect example of this. Jesus chose a humble birth. Jesus has been with the Father and the Spirit eternally, forever. And so Jesus is the only person who ever chose the time and the place. And the circumstances of his own birth. Jesus, who was and is God, chose to live a humble life. And we see that so clearly summarized in Philippians 2, where it says, Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. On that cross, we see justice and mercy meet. But not just there, throughout Jesus's life. uh, the, The Gospels are packed with instances of Jesus being just and merciful. Jesus treated everyone equally. He healed the daughter of a Canaanite woman. He healed the servant of a Roman centurion and then commended the centurion for his faith. He spent two days teaching and preaching in a Samaritan village. The Jews hated the Samaritans. Jesus wanted to reach out to them, to take the good news of God's kingdom to them. Uh, Jesus lived in a culture where everyone had uh, religious, cultural and ethnic prejudices. But Jesus didn't. He treated everyone equally and we mustn't allow other people's prejudices to become our prejudices. The English playwright Samuel Johnson once said, the true measure of a man is how he treats someone who can do him absolutely no good. And today I think we'd apply that to women as well, but he was writing back in the day. But if there's any exception to Jesus treating people equally, It's that he was especially concerned for the vulnerable. As a society and as individuals, we need to go beyond equal treatment of the vulnerable because they need it. They're vulnerable. Now, Of course, I could go on all day about Jesus's justice and his mercy and his humility. You'll be pleased to know I'm not going to. But I urge you to read the Gospels, read Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. Uh, Keep reading them. Don't go a day, don't go a day of your life without reading something about Jesus. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. And if we want to know how to do that, we need to get to know Jesus. If Micah had known Jesus, he would have said, be like him. That is what the Lord requires. And of course, the aim of the Christian life is to become increasingly Christ-like, to become increasingly like Jesus. As we've seen, Jesus not only loved the poor, he identified himself with them. He was one of them. How can we say we love Jesus if we don't love the poor? If we don't have a relationship with the poor, we don't have a relationship with Jesus. That doesn't mean we all have to Work in a soup kitchen. Of course, lots of Christians are called to that kind of ministry, but it does mean we have to care. And it does mean that we have to do all we can to alleviate injustice and suffering. So, in our final verse on the minor prophets, Micah 6, verse 8, it says, What does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. And if we look to Jesus, we get a perfect example of what it means to do that. We need to get it into our heads that looking out for the poor, and when I say poor, I mean the destitute, the lost, the downtrodden, the oppressed, the broken-hearted, the unfairly treated, the grief-stricken, those who are physically or mentally infirm, the lonely, the person that no one else wants to hang out with. The depressed, the person who is struggling in some way, looking out for them, loving them, is the same as loving Christ. There's so much that we can take away from the writings of the prophets. But one of the things that comes across time and again is that justice, mercy and humility are very close to God's heart. Probably in a way that most Christians haven't fully understood. Our relationship with the poor, our care, our concern, our love for them is evidence of our relationship with Christ. I wonder, do you know anyone who's poor, who fits any of those categories? Someone who's struggling, someone who's depressed, someone who's unwell, someone who's struggling financially? Someone who's struggling to cope with life in some way. Do you know anyone like that? I can't believe there's anyone here that doesn't. What does the Lord require of you? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a God of love, who cares deeply for the poor and the marginalized. You, you love everyone that you have made but you're especially concerned for the poor. And you call us to love you by loving those who are struggling, by loving those who are on the margins, by loving those perhaps that that no one else wants to spend time with. I pray, Lord, we pray that you will soften our hearts and change our hearts and make us more willing to do this. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.